Last day of May, Tuesday, May 31st, Jack McMullen, Aram Layton, last in-person episode before I uh, leave and you fold the company. Thank God. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Thank God. We just survived a week together. I know. I, I wasn't going to survive another day, so I figure might as well wait. I'll send you my two weeks via email. It's probably not good <laughs> to say it in person. Just the second you get on the plane. Yeah. Hey, man. By the way, I hated every moment of being with you. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. I'm so out. Uh, this was good. We we toured the South. We went a place, uh, a couple of places that we did not think we were ever going to get to. Obviously, we're going to talk about um, somebody getting slapped in the face by another adult male because of fantasy football. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be the, the lead of the show. But before we do that, just to give you a, a glimpse of what we just did, we recorded a bunch of prospect interviews that you'll be able to hear on the call-up this week. We've got uh, interviews with... Joey Weimer and Sal Freelich of the uh, AA affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers coming out. They're both top, the top 100 guys. Both top 100 guys for us. And uh, <laughs> watching them reinforce that, talking to them, reinforce that even more. Dude. Both both have the right uh, psyche and mentality in different ways, right? I mean, Sal, like we talked about it, most comfortable dude we've, so comfortable. we've ever interviewed, we've ever talked to. And then Joey is one of the most unique and and. I would say just kind of knows how he ticks so well that it, he knows how to play towards himself. You know what I'm saying? If yeah. that makes sense. And if that doesn't make sense, just listen to the episode and, and you'll get an idea of what we're talking about. Uh, but Joey's one of the most unique and funny dudes uh, I think I've spoken to in the minor leagues uh, period. I think I'm allowed to spoil this. He's quick one-liner. Um, but for the full conversation, obviously go over to the call-up. We'll also probably put this out on our social media channels. Follow us. On Instagram at Just Baseball Show, and of course, Just Baseball Fans on TikTok. But um, we asked Joey what you know he's tried to focus on as he has gotten into pro ball, and he said leaving baseball at the field, you know, stuff like that. And you followed up and said, "What what do you do when you go home?" And he said, "Play Minecraft and watch Family Guy." <laughs> that's a top one hundred prospect. That's a that's a future probable MLB All Star. Yeah. I'd say probable over possible. After watching him, yeah. I feel like it's more probable than possible yes. that he's an All Star and he goes home and plays Minecraft and watches Family Guy. So I mean, I'm all the way in on that. Makes me feel a lot better about myself. Oh my too. god! Yeah, so combing through fan graphs at night and I feel like a loser. And um, you know, my girlfriend will be like, "Arm, it's two a.m." You know, like fold fold the computer and go to bed. And I'm like. Really, I'm, I'm, I'm that annoying at this point. So if Joey Weimer's watching Family Guy and playing Minecraft, I, I feel a lot better about myself. Because that guy, we watched him put one over the Visit Mississippi sign. I think it was 114 miles an hour. Yeah. Absolute shot. So that was a great conversation. And then we came out to Pensacola, got to sit down with you know my good friend Griffin Conan, who now I'm excited is, is a buddy of yours. And uh, 
Got to hang out with the Blue Wahoos a lot, but then also talking to Zach McCambly, who is an extremely talented pitcher and another funny dude. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, we use this baseball to talk pitch grips. Yep. So we'll put that on our social too because he has one of the best sliders uh, in the minor leagues, period. Yep. And uh, it was really cool talking to him and talking pitch grips. So very excited for you guys to check that out uh, on the call-up. And uh, probably some of the best interviews we've ever done, probably because they were in person uh, and also because we knew most of those guys. So it, it was really fun, really informative. And uh, can't wait for people to check that out. Yeah, and, and Zach McCambly was the one pitcher that we talked to. Um, and that guy, I think, is exactly how I want my pitchers to function. Where, you know, it's it, it's so relaxed and cool and calm, but the guy knows his shit. Yeah. More than anybody, he knows his shit. It's funny. You talk to him off the field, you're like, that's a super laid back dude. Yeah. You know, he's, and, and then you, you, you talk to him in baseball, you're like, oh my gosh, that guy's like all, all yeah, focused, all in, very detail oriented. and. That is the perfect balance of the two. So, uh, yeah, again, I think people will really enjoy that. Yeah, so we flew into Atlanta. Uh, We got Braves-Phillies last Monday. Uh, On Tuesday, we got um, a rain-soaked SEC tournament, Tuesday and Wednesday, where we only saw two baseball games and both featured the University of Alabama. Um, So that was a a rain-soaked SEC tournament. Wish we got more baseball there, but you know what? C'est la vie. Such is life. Uh, then we went to Biloxi, Mississippi, which turns out to be the casino capital of the South, which was full-blown hilarious. And if you can make it work and you like casinos, I kind of recommend Biloxi, Mississippi. Yeah, I'm a big dog there now. Yeah, high roller. No, a, not high roller. You're a big deal I'm a big Biloxi. deal. I'm a big deal in Biloxi. Yeah. Um, I, I, I lost $100 on the blackjack table. I'm a big deal in Biloxi. They know me there. Big deal in Biloxi. Uh, and and if, for those who might not be know, uh, might not know the reference here, perfect segue. Yeah, great segue. Uh, batting practice. We saw a grown man smack the shit out of another grown man. And we learned that it was because of fantasy football where he put somebody that was week to week on the injured reserve. I, you know, we don't need to get into, I don't like to get very like political on here. So we're not going to talk not, about fantasy football. In no, the IR. no, we're not going to talk about the IR because I, I think that's a very sticky situation with okay. COVID and, and the IR is very complicated. Yeah. Um, and, so now I think we should talk about the GOP. Yeah. So let's, okay. let's, let's talk politics. <laughs> that's much more simple and less yeah. controversial. Let's Easy. talk about the 2024 election. Yeah, perfect. Uh, no, but it, it was obviously something that I mean we all argue. I've had some of the most heated arguments with my buddies. Have about you fan- with fantasy football? Yes, but like I've it's never. also. But here's the thing: it's like a heated argument that like still, even if it got to its like tipping point, we're just yelling back and forth. It would never be physical. You know what I'm saying? Like it's still at the end of the day, it's whimsical and no one actually cares. You know what it's like? It's like that uh, the Wizard of Oz video. You know what I'm talking about? His sister was a witch, yeah. the Wicked Witch of the East. Bro. It- like that's what that is. It's just. It does not matter. No. And here we are with a guy who um, yeah, had a very rough upbringing. Obviously, he's had some stuff tick before. Like we, That's been well documented with Tommy Pham. Like he's, he's not from the best background. And uh, it, things just blew crazy out of proportion for him. And that was just bizarre. But that's the see. crazy thing to me is like, you know, you've had these challenges. He was stabbed. Tommy Finn he's was stabbed. stabbed. And he's, and he's and worried he, about fantasy he's, football. He's more angry about, you know, and it's a year later. It's the ability to hold on to that anger that is crazy to me. Uh, to be mad about it for like a year. Um, and 
the the other thing that's amazing to me is the restraint from Jock Peterson. Dude. Because you you are you are getting we talked about this. I'm not a fighter at all. Like you, you, I will never almost never instigate a fight. But the second you get slapped hard, that adrenaline and anger kicks in and you're you ready to go the right. Shit out of yeah, it. you're yeah. ready to go right back. Fan, or, or Jock Peterson just eats it. And then in the press conference, we're just kind of like, yeah, you know, he slapped me and violence isn't the answer. So I just, you know, kind of walked away. Dude, I, I love how Jock leaned into it. I thought that was hilarious. Like in the, you know, I mean, it was three minutes uninterrupted about, you know, what what happened in fantasy football. Like, how do you not crack a smile talking about that? Well, part of me was like, is this guy actually serious? Right, is, is Jock maybe, like is Jock that weird? Was it like a deadpan bit where he was like, "Oh no, I'm kidding. Like I did something bad to him." <laughs> like, no, it was it was IR thing. Um, but Jock, did, did Jock actually think that was like a serious and normal story, or or do you think like because he doesn't break character for one second? He's dead doesn't. serious. Yep. The whole time, going in detail about the IR and all of those things, and like legitimately giving the insight, not just like yeah, it was a stupid fantasy football thing. I don't know why he's still mad about it. It was like. In detail, that he even said the player was Jeff Wilson. Yeah, it was I, Jeff, and also that's the craziest part. It's Jeff Wilson. It's Jeff Who Wilson. Cares? He's not like stashing, you know, a, a superstar yeah, on like the Yeah, like McCaffrey, map. right? Yeah, yeah, like what? Jeff Wilson. I, I, so that's the craziest part, but also the willingness to share the specific player makes me think either he just also ticks differently, but in in a funnier way, or he just fully leaned into it. I think Jock is one of those guys that knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. The pearls, the haircut. The hair. Did you see the hat he was wearing in yeah. the follow-up interview? How about the crappy mustache, too? The, oh, my I mean, gosh. I, I love Jock Peterson. <laughs> yeah. and, and the crazy thing is we were talking about him with four home runs in two games, and now we're talking about him getting slapped. Tommy Pham got three games for that. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I understand that suspension, I guess. But that is about what? Uh, closer to Marcelo Zuna's suspension than it should be. <laughs> it's it's yes. it's still right. it, it's still a fraction of it, but it's 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 you know what three times seven hits it to twenty one. So it, it was that's was Marcelo Zuna's instance seven times worse. I think it was one million times worse. Not so, to get political. Not to get political, <laughs> but slapping somebody is a lot worse than what Marcel. Or oh, is not, a lot, a, a lot, lot better. A lot better than what Marcelo Zuna did uh, is the way to phrase that. But uh, you know, I I want to just lean into Jock a little bit more because I, I think this guy's a wonderful enigma that I hope through this gets a little bit more coverage as just the one of those funny, weird-ass dudes because I love that for baseball. I love the weirdo personalities because I know that my friends that aren't big baseball fans are going to be like, yo, is that the guy that got slapped over yeah. fantasy football? And like, l- listen to an interview and see that he's just hilarious. Like, He's probably going to be on part of my take. Oh, my Jock's God. going to be on part of my take. He has to be soon. Yeah. I guarantee they've already put out a feeler for him. Yeah. And it's going to be the funniest interview ever. Well, and like, this is also the guy that, you know, when asked why he got a pearl necklace, he said, because I'm a bad bitch. Like, that guy totally understands what he's doing, and I love it. I love his vibe. My other favorite thing about this was the day after in the follow-up interview, he brought the receipt of the gif that he made of, like, the Dodgers, the Giants, and the Padres, and, like, the Padres was the one, like, 
I, I I don't know, like peeing on the fire hydrant or something. That like, was that's what the gif was. Yeah, it was just a weird gif. Like it was a weird gif, and it was you know pretty much like oh the the Dodgers and the Giants are great, and then the Padres stink. Like it was just friendly banter between professional baseball players. And Tommy Pham's uh, like, I would get down like that. Like I yeah, you, you send something, ma- bro. I'm gonna beat the fuck out. <laughs> you said something bad about my teammates, and it was funny. I saw somebody like, oh now he cares about the Padres because <laughs> he had his own burned bridges with the Padres. Uh, so he sent he sent a gif, and and that's the funny thing too is like you could tell for Jock it was very clearly, he, I don't think he thought it was a legitimate argument because he sent a gif, and like that's what we do in our chat all the time. All you know, we'll, we'll send funny gifs and whatever. Imagine getting mad about a gif. I understand if it's like slandering you, but like it's your employer at the end of the day. Like it's just I, like we're in first and you're not. Like it's not that it's no. not that deep. Like it's 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 just a gif. It, it, here's the other thing. Like if I sent a gif saying like <laughs> I'd like just using us as an example, right? Because you know what we do is different than John Boy, but I think a lot of people outside of this that know what John Boy is are like, oh, are you guys trying to do John Boy? And the answer is no. No. But if somebody said like a gift that pretty much equated to John Boy greater than just baseball. Like, or like him peeing on us? Yeah. Like I John, bet you're right. Yeah, I'd be like, okay, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, like, He's much bigger than us. Like, he's awesome. Right now, yeah. yeah. But, it, you know, it's just one of those where, like, you can't get pissed about that. No. Like, have a thicker skin. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. But um, I'm here for that story. I think that was one of the more fun stories in baseball in a while. Just the unfortunate part is it's fun for, like, the jock side. It's funny for the jock side. But uh, I would say this, I, 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 like, on a serious note, Tommy Pham's very much hurting his his uh, outlook baseball wise. You know, we're oh, seeing, there's no chance somebody signs him. After I, this. You know, and I don't want to equate him to. You know, it, it's a very difficult spot because usually, and unfortunately, in professional sports, it's it's criminal charges that that put a guy out. You know, Tommy Pham hasn't had that happen. You know, recently. Um, and and here's the thing though, if he's detrimental to the clubhouse. Which I think is very clear. No, um, you know, I, I I just don't I don't see why you're keeping a guy with a 100 WRC plus uh, around in the outfield when you know he's burning bridges, you know he's contentious, and you know he's a loose cannon. Tommy Pham's hurting himself, and it, it's funny because he goes, you know, "I'm a big deal in Vegas." Yeah, he's not even a big deal in Cincinnati. <laughs> uh, and that that's the reality of it. And now he's gonna probably come and slap the shit out of me. But you know, I just. Uh, that's the tough part is we talk, I bring up Jeff a lot because he's been so informative for me. Jeff Conine, not Jeff Wilson. Yeah. Um, Jeff Conine, our advisor. See, Jeff Wilson has been super informative for me. <laughs> yes. I don't put him, him on, a mentor. Don't course. put him on the IL. Yeah, yeah, no, no. The IR. IR, IR. Crossing sports. Yeah, crossing sports here. Baseball mind. Um, you know, Jeff Conine's been so informative, but just, just teaching me so many things about what goes on on the inside of the game. You know, what goes on in the clubhouse and the business side of things too. Um, and and Jeff, he said what he really felt like prolonged his career is that people wanted him in the clubhouse and he prided himself on that. So, you know, when he was 41 years old and not that great of a baseball player anymore, and he'll be the first to tell you that, he continued to get opportunities and continued to, you know, play on big league teams because he was somebody that people liked to have in the clubhouse and he loved to take guys under his wing and, and mentor him. Brian Roberts, I had the, uh, the pleasure to meet, uh, former Oriole. Yeah. Uh, I said, hey, uh, you know, great meeting you. Did you play with, you know, did you know Jeff Conine pretty well? Obviously, you guys played together. He goes, that guy was my mentor. And that happened more often than not. I'm not saying Tommy Pham has to mentor people, but it's kind of the opposite here, right? I mean, if you are going to poison the well, it's just not worth it yeah, unless you're a superstar. Unless you're a superstar. Right. And Tommy Pham ain't that. He's only a superstar in Vegas, apparently. 
Wait, nay, he's a big deal. He's a big deal. He didn't say superstar. Yeah, well, so who would be a Vegas superstar? MJ. Yeah, yeah, but even then, I don't. Yeah, yeah, he's a billionaire. Yeah, MJ. He's he's a he's a big time. But, and here's the thing: is Tommy Pham really a big deal in Vegas? No, he's not. No chance. No shot. He'd be a big deal in Biloxi. He probably sits at he probably sits at like the the hundred dollar minimum table, and he thinks that constantly. He plays two hands at once. Yeah, at a big you deal. Know, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, as somebody that didn't what drop a ad in a roulette. Yeah, I I threw a couple bucks on roulette. Yeah, you lost twenty. I lost twenty bucks. So and I was I was down for the count for a couple of days. So I I think of myself as a big deal in Biloxi. I guess Tommy Pham uh, can think of himself as a big deal in Vegas as well. But yeah, I I find that clubhouse dynamic really interesting. And and I don't think this guy gets signed to a major league deal again after this, um, unless he lights the world on fire over the over the rest of the season. Which... And by the way, if you haven't looked at Tommy Pham's savant page recently, like there's a lot there's a lot of red on that savant page, which I I had no idea because I mean he was hitting what like a buck ten for the first like month he, of the season. I'll say he's been hot. He's been hot, and he's been hot. But... He's been hot uh, emotionally too. Yeah, he's been riding hot. <laughs> Correct. So. Uh, that's an interesting story, and here's the thing too: is is you know, if he, I think that was a signing for the Reds where it was, let's sign a dude at, that could play well, and we flip at the deadline. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the thing is, and he's playing well enough to at least get them some sort of prospect if he continues on this on this track. But who wants it? Who wants it? You know, I, I look at like and I always talk about the Marlins. We, we're we're talking about it because. Like, who would you go get to help the Marlins outfield? That could be a good, cheap little addition to throw a guy out there and, and try to add some life. No thank you. No um, so, you know, that, that also affects the Reds a little bit too, which is, which is pretty crazy. Uh, but what a story. And uh, I'm here for it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm glad, you know, it didn't really escalate to anything more than that because it's, it's a funny story at the end of the day. Uh, and, and how about the, the last thing I'll say is how about the trend of, of men slapping other men? Again, I'm also yeah, here Will for Smith. that. Are you here for that? Uh, like, if we're over a closed fist, like knockout. Yeah, because yeah. the slap is the slap is like I want to, like I want you to feel this, but I'm not trying to critically injure you, yeah. which is like nice, I guess. I'm setting the bar really low because both these guys were very angry yeah. and unhinged. Um, I'm just glad they didn't swing with a closed fist. Yeah, keep my wife's name out. <laughs> keep Jeff Wilson off the fucking IL. <laughs> Or IR. IR. Keep Jeff Wilson off the fucking IR. We'll wrap with young people. Uh, Royce Lewis on the IL again after getting recalled. On the yes, on the (laughs) IL after getting recalled. Um, It's tough. It's man. This team, man. That's I think you know we talk about what could do the Twins in. Everyone said pitching. I think what could do the Twins in is health. It might just be health. It might be health because we're looking at Buxton. Correa, Sonny Gray now. Sonny Gray has been on the on the IL now on like three different occasions. It yeah. feels like I I don't know what the exact number is, but he goes down again. Yeah. Um, which really stinks because uh, I, I loved the trade for them. I would trade Chase Petty a hundred out of a hundred times, but now you know if if Sonny Gray is hurt and they don't get much out of him over the next year and a half, then you're saying darn. You're saying and again you you know hindsight's twenty twenty, but it does really hurt when you trade your recently drafted first round pick. Um, you know, I could see a way where I'm, I'm in on the twins. I'm really excited what they're doing. We've been in on them for a while. At least I've been really excited about them, but you know, if Correa opts out, Royce Lewis gets hurt again. Uh, Sonny Gray gets arm, you know, arm surgery. The the wheels could fall off. I don't think they will, but it's a little scary here. And that's what's scary about going all in for teams. And I know everyone's like, 
just DFA Nick Gordon, DFA Nick Gordon, DFA Nick Gordon. You can't right now. now. You can't. And, and now I think we can understand why they didn't. Because I was one of those people that was like, hey, why not just DFA Nick Gordon? You've got Royce Lewis. Royce Lewis has been injury prone for a while. Nick Gordon has no more options. You DFA Nick Gordon. He's getting claimed. He's got to go find somebody else. He's a yeah. good enough player where he's getting claimed in two seconds. I, I Again, I know the Marlins will claim him in two seconds. Yeah. That's like my barometer of like, will that guy get scooped up or will he go to the minors? The Marlins will scoop him up real quick. The Reds will scoop him up real quick. I could go through a litany of teams that would scoop him up. I, they can't do that because he has, you know, he has no more options left. Thank goodness they didn't because guess who's going right back into the starting lineup? It's Nick Gordon. Yeah. Uh, so that's one of the things that I know fans are always like, Hey, like put the young guy in, put the young guy in, and I'm usually a proponent of that. But also, you have to look at the little things like no options. You know, are you sure you want to cut ties with this guy? And good thing that the Twins didn't because I don't know who would have filled in. Maybe Spencer Steer. You know, like it, it would have killing killing it, it in but St. Paul right now. He's is, just he, is he able to play the same positions that you no. know some of these other guys are? So it, it's tough. Uh, I really want to see Royce Lewis consistently play because it's been such an awesome story. Uh, and, and the scary thing is, Jack, that's the same knee that yeah. he had the ACL surgery on. So hopefully it's just a little bit of just like soreness. Yeah, um, or inflammation. And inflammation. Or and, uh, you know, hopefully that gets back down. But uh, the, the, the Twins keep playing well, which is the big thing. Yeah. And Buxton's sucking, objectively sucking. Well, and they just optioned Jose Miranda down because he just wasn't he was doing brutal. it. He yeah. was brutal. And he'll be fine. I, I, we're still high on Miranda, but, you know, just not, not quite ready yet. Needs to work through some things. Next time he comes up, we'll be good. The big thing with the Twins, I want to talk about it, and I've been in your ear about this a little bit with, with like updates, Trevor Larnick. Yeah. He's already got a 1.3 F4. He's playing fan, fantastic defense in the corner, and he's hitting really well. Striking out 30% of the time, but walking a bunch, hitting for a bunch of power, that could that can stay. Like You can strike out that much if you're Trevor Larnick, play good defense, and and walk, and homer, and, and you're in business. Uh, it's, it's the Joey Gallo mode, but with a little bit more bat to ball and and yeah. I, I I actually really like what we're seeing from Trevor Larnick in this like third stint almost in the big leagues health again too for Larnick yeah he's healthy so I'm you know I'm an overly negative person when it comes to baseball yeah, uh, um, yeah just when baseball it, when it comes to other things too but I'm an overly negative person when it comes to executives managers uh, some wrinkles of the sport but I I save my bullets when it comes to being overly negative about players because I think players are you know they're exactly what we need. They're who we like interacting with. What I will say is watching Trevor Larnick second week of the season in St. Paul, he looked lost. He looked pissed off. I did not see this type of season coming from Trevor Larnick one bit. I remember you texting me and saying, man, it looks really rough right now. He, looks, he looked so frustrated. He was like bat slamming after like the first at bat of a game if he went down on three pitches. Well, that's a great sign though now, right? Like It looked like as bad as it could get. And this man turned it around at the big league level. Two of the AAA season, as bad as it could get. And he turned it around at the big league level for a team that's trying to win now. So, I'm look, I think Larnick's going to have his ups and downs based on the profile. It's just who he is. But if he's, again, playing great defense as well, this is a guy that's probably going to be playing almost every day out there for them and and should be a huge boost. Where where I'm wondering is, you know, what are they going to get out of Buxton? I mean, he's struggling a little bit because there's a lot of – sporadic uh, starts for him. Their target was 100 games. He's not playing every day, yeah. and and now he's slumping. You, it's more important to have him in the lineup, um, you know, in in September yeah. than it is to have him in the lineup every day in, in May and June. 
Uh, but I, I got to imagine that it's very tough to not play every day and stay fresh and stay locked in. And I think that's getting to Buxton a little bit. And to be totally honest, like, have we had a point for pitchers to get the book written on Byron Buxton? Like, no. I don't think he's ever been in the lineup consistently enough to have the book written on him. No, it's like he leaves and then he comes back and lights the world on fire and then leaves and then he comes right. back, lights the world on fire. It's a fair point. And if that happens, you know, is, is Buxton going to struggle a little bit more than we thought? Because we always talk about... You know, Buxton being, and talent-wise, he's up there with anybody. But, you know, at the end of the day, this is a guy with a huge a huge amount of swing and misconcern throughout his career. People were talking about, is Buxton a bust as a prospect? Yeah. And and now I think it's very evident that he's not a bust. He's a supremely talented player that has figured it out at the big league level to a degree. But what is that, what is that degree? Yeah. Is it, you know, upper echelon, top 10 player when healthy that everyone seems to be saying? And, you know, we've said sometimes on this podcast. Or is it, you know... More of this super. When he's hot, he's one of the best players in the game. But when he's cold, he's you know frustrating. More, more yeah. like a Stanton level of right. guy, where it's like no one considers Stanton a top. I don't think top ten, 10 hitter in the game. No, he's phenomenal in a in a you know perennial all star. But there's more failure there than the top ten hitters in the game. Yes, and I think maybe Buxton's closer to that. We don't know yet. Uh, we don't know yet, but I think it's an interesting conversation thing to follow because, like you said, we haven't seen the book come out on Buxton yet. Uh, so it should be interesting to see how he bounces back from this because I can't even think of the last time we saw like a Mike Trout go through a stretch like that. Well, or, that's a hard example because, like, <laughs> but that's what we were talking about here. I mean, yeah. I, I, like, that's what a lot of people were saying. When Byron Buxton is healthy, he's a top three player in the game. I, in two years, we're going to be having the same conversation about Luis Robert, and that kills me inside. God. He's got COVID right now, so like he's and he was back, so he, he should be back in the next couple of days. Uh, but I mean, this guy like he just he was dealing with a groin thing. Tim Anderson's dealing with a groin thing too. Like, I'm just worried we're going to be having that same type of conversation. The White Sox are a banged up group. Yes, they Eloy are. went right back down. Yep. Hurt again. Yep. I mean, I don't know how they're staying afloat. Moving on, um, a couple more young guys that I want to talk about because when we were talking about this, and it's it, it's not apples to apples with Nolan Gorman, it's a, a little bit different, um, but you know, sometimes for a team that was expecting to compete and expecting to contend for a World Series, if you sputter at the beginning of the year, your best option might not be on the trade market. It might be in double-A. And Atlanta just went and got a center fielder from double-A. Michael Harris is up. Michael Harris got a hit in his major league debut. And you're in love with Michael Harris. Oh and we're gosh. pissed that we didn't see him oh in gosh. Pensacola this weekend. Uh, I, I mean, I, look, I, I'm always a proponent of calling the guys up that I think are ready. And uh, this was a surprise, though. It's funny because we were at the game. When we were at the Braves game, we looked at the outfield situation. It's like Duvall in center, and, really? And you were like, you know, what... what where, where do they go? Like, is this enough? You know, and and I was I was thinking, man, they might call up Michael Harris uh, before the All Star break. Is what I said to you before the All Star break, and you're like, wow, really? Like that would be quick. And I was like, his profile fits it. I didn't think they'd call him up in the next three, like two months. Yeah, I thought it would be like right around the All Star break. You know, like let's call him up and and, and right ahead of the Futures game. I'm floored that they called him up this early. This man just turned 21, but. It makes sense. Elite defender, elite defender, uh, elite bat-to-ball skills, burgeoning power. He is a really interesting prospect that even if he's not raking, he's going to put the bat on ball enough. He's going to give you speed, and he's going to play elite defense and center. 
And we, we talked to Zach McCampbell and Griffin Cohen on yesterday on the on the loop stream. And, you know, they were talking about how impressive Michael Harris was. Yeah. From the swings that he makes, from the balls that he runs down. He is going to inject life into this into this uh, Braves lineup. Uh, and he's also going to be a huge help for them in that outfield because he's going to play supreme defense out there. And, you know, I, I really like this guy. I think he's got all of the intangibles. And it's funny because we ranked him ahead of uh, even way earlier, about ahead of Drew Waters, Pache, and... I dug up some old tweets, just looking at people, just kind of yelling. You're at an me. idiot. Yeah. L ratio. Yeah. Bozo. Oh gosh, it's like Harris is not that much different than Pache when he first came up, and I'm like, yes, he is. Yes, he is. And yes, he is. Um, Michael Harris could be a a very. I I, I don't want to throw the word star out too much because I don't think he's going to be like, you know, 330 home runs, whatever. No, you. But think he's he... going to be a, a fort with 300, yeah. 15 to 20 pumps, an elite defense and center. That's a top player in the game at his position. So you think that he and Alec Thomas have very similar profiles? Absolutely, and that's that's why they were ranked somewhat similarly. The only difference, Alec Thomas was ranked higher because he raked in AAA. Yeah. But they're extremely similar, and I would argue that uh, Michael Harris is a better defender. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I I would say so too. But I think I think the bat profiles almost identically. Almost identical. Um, and and I think Hair or, or excuse me, Thomas is tapped into the power a bit more. Yeah. He's been around a bit longer. He's older. Yeah. He's older. The the profile is very similar. 2019 draft, there have been three high schoolers to make their major league debut. Bobby Witt, who, you know, was Went ready, obviously, 30-30, and, you know, he was a transcendent talent when he was picked. He's a transcendent talent now. He was our top prospect in baseball. C.J. Abrams, who was rushed like nobody's business. And, and had, also a freak of all freaks. And is crushing AAA pitching right now yeah. with El Paso. Like, killing it. He and needed a, more time in the minor leagues. Another top five pick. Yes. And then Michael 10. Harris. Third round pick. That tells you what kind of company this guy is in. If I remember correctly, Michael Harris went 93rd overall. There we go. Um, two top ten picks. And then the 93rd overall guy are the three guys that debuted. Not only is Michael Harris a steal, a local kid that they found in the backyard, which you always hear pop-up prospect yeah. for high schoolers that, you know, under... You can only see so many dudes. Right. He broke out at the end. He was a two-way guy. Some some teams liked him more as a pitcher. He's a left-handed thrower. Yeah. They liked him low 90s on the mound. Braves liked him as a hitter. And, uh, yeah, they were right. Uh, that's just unbelievable, though, that stat. The fact that the third guy... High school guy to debut from the 2019 draft was the 93rd overall selection. Harris is a steal. We're gonna do a 2019 redraft on yeah. the call up uh, when when you know we don't have as much to talk about one day, and it's gonna be amazing to see how how early that 93rd overall selection goes in the redraft. Yeah, uh, because he is a stud and a big big boost coming for the Braves. And speaking of that, Mike Soroka is is getting closer and closer uh, to to his return. Throwing, um, I believe he's throwing off a mound, if I'm not mistaken. I think uh, so. And you know that is really exciting to see because I went to the World Series. I saw Mike Soroka limping around, yeah. still at the World Series, and it broke my heart. It really did. I was really sad about that. Um, super talented guy. Horrible that what's happened to him now twice. Yep. If Soroka could come back and even be a, a high threes guy for them, low fours guy eat innings and get ground balls. They need that so they bad. They need that so bad. And I think he can be that. I really do. I can't predict double Achilles tears, but I think he can be that. That would be a huge boost. So the Braves have some reinforcements coming. I'm not worried about Atlanta right now. I know no. that a lot of people could be because I think they're still right around 500. They're a couple games under 500 as it stands at the moment. 
Um, I'm not worried about them at all because they are so talented. This is the type of team that can go on that Houston or Yankee type run where they win 12 in a row and nobody bats an eye, right? Like, oh, here are the Braves. They're back. That's the type of talent they got, especially when Soroka comes back. And with Michael Harris in center, you've got Harris, Acuna, and whoever the hell you want left. Just don't have it be William Contreras like we saw on Monday. That um, was that was heinous. That was heinous. Um, one last question for you, for me. What what first place team do you think is most likely? I think it's really a two horse race here. What first place team do you think is most likely to relinquish their spot? Minnesota like, <clears throat> over Milwaukee. Yeah, really. I think that offense is clicking. What is what is clicking for them? I have no idea. What what's it's happening just right clicking. now? It's 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 timely power. They're putting up great OPS numbers. I would say 218 runs is really not that bad. The Rays have 198. Uh, the Twins have 209. Uh, so it's really not that bad. Dude, they're, I'm they're telling you, we were, we were expecting Milwaukee to be a bottom 10 defense and they're or a bottom 10 offense and they're a top 10 offense. It's it's and ridiculous. I don't know if that's going to sustain, but it, it can. It I think tells you that they can float in the middle of the pack and then go get another bat. That, that'll help them. Renfro was was a, was a big get for them. I Renfro think. was a huge get. What Rowdy Telez is doing for them is absolutely massive. And I know that he looks funny, but what he provides for the Milwaukee Brewers is excellent. And it's exactly what they needed. And you know what? Christian Yelich looks like a really good hitter again. Hopefully he can keep doing it. You know, yeah. it's, it's like every time you think he's going to do it, it's like then he slows down a little bit. And then, he, and then he hits for the cycle and then he slows down a little bit. But no, everything looks really good. Arias being back is Luis great. Arias is I have the stats in front of me right now. Um, I want to I take a, a self-imposed L. You know, the self-imposed uh, suspensions. Yeah. Like, I remember I grew up a Miami Hurricane. Put yourself fan. in timeout. And when they got caught, you know, with the whole scandal. Yeah, Nevin Shapiro. Nevin Shapiro. I loved that before they got punished. They're like, we'll punish ourselves so you don't punish us as bad. Yeah. So before Colby digs up the receipts, I told him I didn't I didn't see Rowdy Telez being like the guy for them because he doesn't walk enough. He's been the um, guy. He's been the guy. So I'll just put the L on my forehead right now. Um, Rowdy Telez has been great. And you know what? I'm here for Rowdy Telez being good. Um, but then Arias being a dude for them is great. And then their role players yeah. have been really good. Like Tyrone Taylor in spurts has Tyrone been Tyrone Taylor is playing really well you know, right now. It, I think they need an outfielder at the deadline. I think Andrew Benintendi is the perfect fit for the Milwaukee Brewers. Perfect fit because he's you know not going to be that expensive because of the fact that he's expiring. Yeah. Um, but also at the same time is an impact bat. Yeah. Uh, and Because I don't want the Brewers trading Freelicker Weimer. Not no. just because we talk to them and they're nice and they're cool. It, because it doesn't really make sense for them. Their proximity, they could be in the big leagues next year. Yeah. So it's like don't mortgage the future necessarily when your outfield is is going to open up pretty pretty clearly after this year. Uh, ben Attendee's the perfect guy to get, and they could get him for you know one of their random pitching prospects and and a decent you know a decent offensive prospect. So it won't be Ethan Small likely because Ethan Small is going to make his major league debut uh, yesterday. This will come out. This is the Tuesday episode. We haven't seen Ethan Small debut yet at the major league level. He was the guy that was tall and lanky and weird-looking that would vary his timing with his delivery at Mississippi State. He was really solid. He pitched for the Bulldogs when they got to Omaha. Um, it, it, Small was a guy that had a lot of fanfare right after he was drafted, drifted into obscurity for a moment, but can be a quality back-of-the-rotation arm for the Milwaukee Brewers. 
Yeah, so, you know, it's funny. You asked me the other day, like, what do you think of Ethan Small? And I was like, I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't really seen him. Because nobody kept tabs because, like, it was it was fine. Like, yeah. it was like a 3-5. It's, it's strikeouts and walks. Yeah. So it's like you're nervous that that profile turns into, you know, a disaster. Nibbling, a yeah. Um, I, I think Swingman makes the most sense, you know, for this team moving forward. Uh, but small to make these spot starts, that's fine. A taller Brent Suter. <laughs> taller Brent Suter. I mean, look, this is what he was doing in AAA. Walking at or striking out eleven and a half per nine, walking five per nine. So you know you're you're going to sign up for some difficulties there. But he doesn't give up home runs, which is really important in American Family Field. Four point five percent home run to fly ball rate. That's been pretty consistent through his minor league career. Yeah. Uh, so you know I think it's going to be interesting. Maybe the command clicks at the big league level. Sometimes that's what happens when you have you know big league pitching coach. Uh, but talking about a guy that was a swing man that that's really clicking too, Spencer Strider. I yeah. want to go back to the Braves real quick to wrap up. I uh, love him. He his fastball slider combination Dude, is ridiculous. I love him. Again, talk, we, people see on the call up the conversation we had with with Griffin Conan. Griffin homered off of him last year. It was 100 elevated, and he goes, "That was the one of the moments where I was like, if I hit one off that guy, I can do it." You know, like yeah. that was one of those where it's like you hit a home run off a guy, you feel like they're all at your same level. With Strider, he was like, "That was a great barometer." He got me a couple times, and like I caught up to his fastball. But Strider's fastball is electric. His slider is disgusting. And now he's mixing in, you know, a third pitch a bit more. Uh, Strider could be a dude for them as a starter. And I'm very, very interested to see what, uh, you know, how the Braves are going to continue to use Strider. Because here's the reality of it. Huascar, you know, has been a massive disappointment. Um, and he's going to kind of be that guy, I think, that they thought Enoa was going to be for them. Which is dominate with the fastball slider. Get a ton of whiffs. And end up bolstering the back end of that rotation. And that's great news for the Braves. How tall do you think Spencer Strider is? I think he's short. I just had to Google it. I, I think he's six foot. He's six foot. Yeah, because guess what he is? Low release, high spin fastball with ride, hammer slide. You know what he is? He's Trevor Rosenthal at his peak with more endurance. Yeah. It's exactly what Spencer Strider is. And it, it, Trevor Rosenthal was like... Better command, too. Borderline Cy Young votes as a closer, and Strider's out here doing it for four innings at a time. What's Uh, what's Trevor Rosenthal up to? I don't know. He had a big league deal a couple years ago. Yeah, he came back. He looked good. He He did look look good. good. I'll Google it right now, actually. I'm very curious. Before Uh, we wrap up, we'll wait for Jack to Google where Trevor Rosenthal is. You can plug our social medias again. Oh, I'm so bad at that. But on Twitter, at JustBB Media, we hit 5K. Good job. We hit 5K. And... You have one more day. This is the last day to download the Loop app to get your $20 credit. Uh, the link is in our description. Uh, definitely use that app to get your free $20. Jack used it and pulled a Lennon Sosa, who is yeah. a really exciting White Sox prospect that we are very in on. Uh, but I think your Google search is finished. But click that link in the description. It helps us out big time to download the Loop app. Get your free $20 credit. Rosenthal, 32 years old. He's currently a free agent. He missed the entire 2021 season after undergoing thoracic outlet syndrome surgery in April. He's done. And then another procedure in July to repair a torn labrum in his hip. Oh, he's toast. This guy's battered. Poor guy. Oh. At least he got his bag. I think he got like a pretty high AAV on the one-year deal. I'll tell you right now, man. Uh, I'll pull up a baseball reference. Rosenthal, I would have bet a lot of money on him being older than 32. Yep, 32. He's a young 32. He's been around since he was 22 in 2012 wow. with St. Louis. I mean, he was so awesome out of the gate. Again, 100 before it was really, you know, when it was still cool. Yeah. Uh, and, and Rosenthal, I'm always looking at like in the weeds relievers that you could scoop up. Yeah. But torn hip labrum and thoracic outlets usually the kiss of death. That's nerve issues in yeah. your shoulder. Sometimes you just never get the VLL back. Right. 
Um, uh, but congratulations to Trevor Rosenthal making it. Was it was 10 mil, wasn't it? Uh, he made 11 last year. Yeah. Okay. Congratulations to him. Good on for you. $32.6 million accrued over your major league yes. career. Wish you a speedy recovery, Trevor Rosenthal, but at least you've got all that money to lay on as well. You're chilling, man. Mm-hmm. You can do the uh, the Wolf of Wall Street thing where you do yeah. a snow angel in the in the bed full well, of money. Well, carefully, thoracic outlet. And, oh, yeah. And yeah. the hip. you got to worry about the yeah. wing. I don't know. You don't want to send anything out of, out of whack there. True that. All right, that'll be uh, Aram and Peter tomorrow on the Just Baseball Show. Again, stay tuned on the call-up. Sal Freelich and Joey Weimer conversations coming out today. Uh, and then tomorrow we've got Griffin Conan and Zach McCambly conversations coming out. Good convos with a bunch of guys that will make their Major League debut sooner rather than later. So that was all good. Uh, plugged the socials at the beginning. Aram kind of did it really good on him. Uh, and Aram and Peter will talk to you tomorrow.